The message comes to us today from Matthew 1, 5 and then Ruth 4. In the New Testament, it reads like this, And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. Now in the Old Testament, chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. And they sat down. And then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Noemi, you also require Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. <laughs> then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was a matter of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Now Boaz said to the elders and all the people, your witnesses this day, that I have bought the hand of Naomi, all that belonged to Elimelech, and all that belonged to Chilon and to Malon, and also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among the brothers and from the gate of his native place. Your witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, <laughs> We're witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built that house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrath and renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. He went into her, and the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And you may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. And your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son was born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now the genealogy of 
Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amidadad. Amidadad fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This is the blessed word from our Lord. Well, it's so good to see you all uh, this morning. If you are visiting with us, then uh, I just want to welcome you guys. Uh, we're so glad you're here, and we just pray that oh, your time in worship this morning um, is just is just awesome, uh, to be honest. So, uh, just to give you an idea of where we're at, um, we're doing a sermon series right now called Levi's Jeans, and we're walking through uh, the lineage of Jesus, going to make our way all the way down to Him, and we're pulling out women in this line whom God used. Uh, and how God crossed boundaries and he pursued them um, to be a part of this and how foundational they were uh, to the gospel and to Jesus. And so two weeks ago, uh, we talked about Rahab. And then last week, Jerry brought us the message of Tamar. And then uh, this week, I have the privilege of talking about Ruth. And I have to be honest with you, uh, I've never actually read the book of Ruth before. This week, obviously I did. Uh, but not before this past week. I really only read like chapter three. And so... Uh, And so here are my thoughts on the book of Ruth, and I'm just being honest. Okay, so the book of Ruth to me is like a Hallmark movie, okay? Raise your hand if you like love Hallmark movies. We got anybody? There we go. All right, here we go. That's good. Uh, Well, I feel like it's like a Hallmark movie. I mean, it starts off with tragedy, and then there's love, and then Ruth attracts the gaze of this uh, unsuspecting man, and then there's a debate on who gets to marry her, and then then she finally gets married, and then it's like a happily ever after kind of ordeal. Uh, And so to me, it is exactly like a Hallmark movie, and when I read through it, I was like, this is crazy. Like, this really should be a movie. Okay, so, uh, but I'm going to talk to you from Ruth chapter 4 this morning. Ruth chapter 4. Um, But in order to get to chapter 4, we have to talk about what happens in chapters 1, 2, and 3. So we're in the town of Bethlehem, and Elimelech is married to Naomi. And they have two sons, Kilian and Malon. And then they decide, you know what, we're going to move to Moab. And so that's what they do. They move to Moab, and then Elimelech dies. So now Naomi is with her two sons, Kilian and Malon. And then they find two Moabite women to be their wives. You have Ruth, and then you have Orpah. Okay, so if any of you are looking for baby names, I feel like Orpah isn't used a whole lot, so just throwing that out there. But Ruth and Orpah, okay, so, uh, but then eventually the two sons die. Killing and Malon, they die. And so Naomi is now with her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And so Naomi's like, well, I want to go back to Bethlehem, which is where I'm from. But you all don't have to come with me. Go back to your families. You don't have to come with me. So Orpah actually goes back to her family. But Ruth stays with Naomi and is going to follow her. So they go back to Bethlehem and people know Naomi. And they know that she is the widow of Elimelech. And so they they welcome her back into the town. But she said, please do not call me Naomi anymore. She said, my name is now Mara because I'm I'm a bitter woman. And that's what the word Mara means, is bitterness. But the author of Ruth continues to call her Naomi. So they need food. So Ruth, she goes out into the field and she begins to work out in the field. And she catches the gaze of this unsuspecting man, whose name is Boaz. So Boaz asks one of the reapers, he says, uh, who is this woman? Well, she's Ruth the Moabite. She is Naomi's daughter-in-law. Now Ruth was known throughout the town of Bethlehem as a Moabite because she is not an Israelite. 
So that's how she's known. And so he tells her, she's Ruth the Moabat. Well, Boaz thinks she's pretty cute. So he goes up to her and he says, you don't need to be working out in the field. We have women who come through at the end of the day and they glean from all the work that we've done. You are more than welcome to take as much as you want. And so Ruth agrees to it. And so until the end of the harvest, that's what she does. Her and Boaz spend a lot of time together and they fall in love just like a Hallmark movie. It's so sweet. But then there's still this, there's still this thing about this land, Elimelech's land in Bethlehem. So Naomi tells Ruth, you need to go to the threshing floor. You need to meet Boaz. Boaz is going to eat, he's going to drink, and he's going to get full, and then he's going to go to bed. And what I want you to do is I want you, uh, when he goes to bed, I want you to uncover his feet, and then I want you to lay down at his feet. Now the Hallmark movie is getting a little creepy, isn't it? Like, that's kind of weird, right? But that's exactly what Ruth does. He lays down, she pulls the covers off his feet, and she lays down at his feet. And obviously he's surprised that somebody's now laying at his feet. So he says, who are you? She says, I am Ruth, I am your servant, and you are our redeemer. He said, maybe, but there is another one. You see, Boaz is a relative of Elimelech, so he has a right to Elimelech's land. But there was another relative who was closer to Elimelech, who basically has dibs on the land first. So Boaz says, I have to ask him first. He gets the right first. But if he says, no, I want to redeem it. Boaz is in essence telling her, I want to marry you. So that next morning, he goes out to the city gate. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter four. So I'm going to read verses one through four for us. Now, Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Then he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. So he said, I will redeem it. This morning, we're going to be talking about a relentless redeemer, a relentless redeemer and a relentless redeemer passionately pursues the ones he loves. A relentless redeemer passionately pursues the ones he loves. All right. So Boaz goes out to the city gate. Well, why the city gate? You ask? Well, there's a lot of traffic that comes to the city gate. And not only that, this is where legal transactions take place in this day. So they need a big crowd of people to see this and witness this. Now, the streets were so narrow in that day that not a lot of people could congregate. So the city gate was this wide open space where they could go out there and they could perform this transaction. So he goes out there with the hopes of thinking this redeemer, who I've talked about, will just pass by and without fail, he does. So he says, hey, friend, come and sit down. You see, our, our, our uh, Bibles say friend, but actually this Hebrew word is roughly translated. It actually means such. Essentially, he said, hey, you You're the one that I'm looking for. Come and sit down. And so he came and he sat down. But in order for this to happen, you need witnesses, right? So he calls 10 elders from the crowd that's surrounding and asks them to sit down. So if you think about it, they were essentially called to jury duty on the spot, which is probably not fun, right? Can you imagine like walking through Asheville and this legal transaction is happening in the middle of Asheville? And they're like, hey, you come be, come be a jury. 
uh, no, that's not going to happen. Nope. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But that's what they did. They were called to jury duty, and that's how, that's how they did it. And there were three assets that were being discussed in this legal transaction. Number one is the land of Elimelech. Number two is the care of Naomi. And number three is Ruth, the Moabite. Now, the land of Elimelech was explicitly mentioned in this first part. The care of Naomi is somewhat understood since he is the widow of Elimelech. But Ruth, the Moabite, wasn't mentioned yet. And you want to ask Boaz why, but I think we know why. So... This is where the Hallmark movie comes out in this. All right, so if you're Ruth and you're watching this transaction take place, you want who to redeem you? What's that? Boaz, right? The only problem is, is that the other guy said yes now. So if you're Ruth, your heart's pumping right now because you're going to have to marry the guy that you don't really want to marry. The guy that you don't know. But for this Redeemer guy, this is a, this is a simple business, uh, business ordeal where, where he can get more land. Okay, check. He can provide more inheritance for his children. Okay, check. Uh, he can turn a profit on the harvest. Check. Uh, since there's no heir of Elimelech to come reclaim the land, this is a good business deal. He can take care of Naomi. That might be more expense, but if he's making more income, then that's not really going to be a problem. So check on that. So, of course, if you're a business person, like, this is good. Like, there's no risk really here. But Boaz is not really happy. So we keep reading. Verses 5 through 8 here. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. See, now things have changed a little bit. Boaz hears this man say yes. And so he's like, well, well, wait, wait, wait. I know you get the land of Elimelech and you get to take care of Naomi, but you also acquire Ruth and she's a Moabite and she's the widow of the dead. And so for him, all of a sudden he's like, okay, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. See what Boaz is doing is he is using Ruth as a replacement for Naomi. Naomi would have been the one to marry since she was the widow. But he said, Ruth is the one that you have to marry and she's not from here. And she is going to give birth to the name of Elimelech, the son, the heir to Elimelech. So he says no. But you can only imagine if he would have said yes again, what Boaz would have said next. You know, he would have been like, no, 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 no you, you don't understand. She has leprosy. You don't want her. You don't want her, right? Like, like if it was me, I'd have been like, no, she's got boils all over her skin. You don't want her. Trust me. I want her. Bethany did always say that I was really romantic, by the way. So... Uh, but I want to talk about why he said no later. I'll come back to that. But uh, one thing that we can understand is that Boaz's tactic worked. And the author of Ruth is clearly showing Boaz as the hero. He is the knight in shining armor and he is the relentless redeemer. So why is this important? Because the acts of Boaz reflect the true redeemer. You see, he loves her. He spent time with her and he loves her and he wants to redeem her. 
And what's even more impressive and so uh, often misunderstood is that she is a foreigner. He has no obligation to marry her, but he is willing to cross that boundary because he is pursuing her. And he is relentlessly pursuing her. And that's how God pursues us relentlessly. Some of you may be sitting in here and you're going through a, a storm in your life and it is a deep, dark storm. And sometimes you're probably wondering where God is. Where is God in my storm? Listen, he is actively, relentlessly pursuing you. And some of you have felt this pursuit. And some of you may not, but trust me, he is. And there may be someone here who, who you don't know this God I'm speaking of. You're here at church because uh, it's close to the holidays and your parents or your spouse want you here. But listen, God is relentlessly pursuing you. A relentless redeemer passionately pursues the ones he loves. And a relentless redeemer brings to life what was dead. Then Boaz said to the elders of all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So now he just, he speaks loudly. This transaction is completed. It's completed. See, he's given me his shoe. And see, giving a shoe back then is similar to what we like you do a handshake that closes the deal. But the shoe back then represented power, possession, and domination. And that's why we see Moses, when he spoke to the burning bush, he took his shoes off. Because he was, he was uh, showing God's lordship in that moment. So we think of Boaz... He bought the land because he loves Ruth, but also to perpetuate the name of the dead. Now, the word perpetuate means literally to raise up. So he's saying that I'm here and I bought this land to marry Ruth, but also to raise up the name of the dead, to raise up the name of Elimelech, that it will not die out. A relentless redeemer brings to life what was dead. Now, bringing the dead to life was nothing foreign in the Old Testament. Okay, so we can we can think for a second at one point in Scripture Uh, Israel was turning their back on God. So God allowed them to separate into two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And as they continuously turned their back on God, he allowed the Babylonians to come and take them over and be captive. So Ezekiel, who is a prophet to Judah, is in Babylon. And so God speaks to him and shows him a vision. All right, so I want everyone to close their eyes for a second. And we're we're going to uh, talk about this vision. Alright, so if everyone close their eyes and just think with me for a second. Ezekiel's standing there in this dry valley. It's nothing but dead, dry bones. In between these two mountains, it's desert, it's hot, it's so dry. Bodies that lay there from, from a great battle that took place long ago. Just, just bones everywhere. God spoke to Ezekiel. Do you think that these bones can come to life? Ezekiel said, God, only you know. 
Well, he said, I want you to speak to these bones for me. Speak to them and tell them that I will bring them to life. And so he did. Ezekiel spoke to them. And then when he spoke to them, Scripture says there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones began to move. And they begin to come together. So if you're picturing this valley, these dry bones, just imagine with me the bones moving together. And as they came together, they made this noise. And then there, was, there were tendons that, that grew in between the bones. And then after that, then the flesh, the, the muscle began to form around the bones. As his body was coming together, you see the skin begin to appear on top of the flesh. But scripture says that they were still not alive God said, Ezekiel, I want you to speak to the bones one more time and command breath to come into them. And so Ezekiel did. And when he did, for the second time in their lives, they took their first breath. And then scripture says that the army that was once dead, dry bones stood up in front of Ezekiel in this valley. And there was a great army. Okay, you can open your eyes. See, Scripture teaches us that he, was, he gave Ezekiel that vision to represent the people of Israel. He says, after, after that vision, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise up your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live. And I will place you in in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares The Lord, you see, he was telling them, he was letting Ezekiel know, you need to tell them I have not given up on them. Although they've turned their back on me and they are in, they're in captivity in Babylon. And they think that I'm not watching. They think that I'm not paying attention. They think that I'm not there. I've not given up on them. As a matter of fact, right now they are dead spiritually, but I'm going to breathe a new spirit within them and they're going to come back to life. Now, if you are sitting in here and you have felt that spirit, that you have taken that second breath for the first time, then I need to hear an amen right now. Yes. I'm so thankful that I can rejoice that once I was dead in my sin, but God didn't give up on me. He relentlessly pursued me to bring me back to life because he loved me. He was willing to cross that boundary for me. That's our relentless Redeemer, a relentless redeemer brings to life what was dead. So then they say, we pray that Ruth is like Rachel and Leah. That's some high praise. That is some high praise. So I have to tell you this. So I'm a baseball player for those who don't know. Well, former, I'm retired. Let's be honest. So, uh, but... Uh, we always give Jerry a hard time here because like he like knows like famous people and he's basically one, one person short of being a celebrity himself. And so we always give him grief about that. Well, this morning, uh, or this weekend, Jerry is in Cincinnati, uh, with some of his friends and he, he texted us as a staff last night 
Like, he always meets these famous people, and it really bothers me, okay? He texted us as a staff last night, and he was eating at this restaurant, and at the table next to him was Pete Rose. (sighs) Like, really? Pete Rose? You get to meet Pete Rose? You know what I'm saying? Like, for for those who, if you're a baseball fan, you know who Pete Rose is. Man, but for those who don't, let me just tell you, P. Rose has the most hits in Major League Baseball history. The only reason he's not in the Hall of Fame is because he gambled on baseball. That's it. His stats and his talent will tell you he's one of the greatest of all time. Well, for me being a baseball player and Ruth being a Moabite, not an Israelite, for them to pray that she would be like Rachel and Leah, that's extremely high praise. And the best comparison I can think of is if someone would have told me when I was still playing, I'm going to pray that you can hit like Pete Rose. Well, my head would have swelled up like no other if somebody would have told me that. But man, that is such high praise that a Moabite would have a foundational impact on the lineage to Jesus like Rachel and Leah who built the house of Israel. Unbelievable. And then, they, and, then, and then they also asked that, uh, that they, she'd be like the house of Perez, who Judah, uh, who oh, Tamar gave to Judah. What a comparison. What another great story of someone who was, was a foreigner, but God reached out and had a plan for them to bring them in to this lineage. Such high praise. You see, a relentless redeemer brings to life what was dead. And a relentless redeemer glorifies His own name. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her. And the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you. Who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap. And became his nurse. So Ruth, who bore this son for Boaz, gives it to Naomi? Well, why? If we remember exactly what Boaz said, that I have purchased this land. And Ruth, to perpetuate the name of the dead. To raise up the name of Elimelech is what he's getting to here. So this baby is the preservation of the line of Elimelech. Making Naomi... The rightful guardian to this child. Verse 14 here is so key though. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. You see the naming of the redeemer is so important in the story. Because do you remember the name of the first redeemer who we talked about earlier in the chapter? No. Why? Because he was never named. The author kept him nameless because he was so worried about his own name continuing. He said no because if he would have produced a child with Ruth, the name that would live on would not be his name, but it would be whose? Elimelech's. His lineage would stop. And for someone who cared so much about his name remains nameless in Scripture. The naming of the Redeemer is important. You see, redemption is not about the one being redeemed. Instead, redemption is about the Redeemer. 
How much was said about Ruth in chapter 4? Not much, right? She was a part of this business transaction at the beginning. Uh, Then she married Boaz, gave forth uh, this son. She didn't speak. Nobody even really spoke to her. Because Ruth was a part of redemption. But redemption is about the Redeemer. You see, we are a part of redemption, but the real story is our Redeemer, who is Jesus. That's who this is all about, is Jesus. Because if you look in verse 17, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So you have Ruth, you have this Moabite woman who is a widow who comes back to Bethlehem because she wants to be with her mother-in-law. And she gets redeemed through marrying Boaz. But she plays a huge part in the lineage, getting all the way down to Jesus. God relentlessly pursued her so that she could be a part of this, foundational to the line of Jesus. See, it's about the Redeemer. And we talk about this line going all the way down to Jesus because that's who all this is about, how he was born of a woman and how he lived a poor life, reached poor people, got, went to all the outcasts, crossed all these boundaries, relentlessly pursued foreigners because he wanted to bring them back to life, those who were dead in their sin. Before he even came to earth, he knew that this is what had to be done. But he did it because he loved us. Because we are dead to our sin and chained by it. It holds us down. It weighs us down. God can't look at it. And because we have this sin, we deserve a punishment. Just like every decision we make has a consequence. And our sin deserves an eternal punishment. But instead of making us go through that, go through that punishment, he sent his son Jesus to take that punishment for us. Because that's how much he loves us. Relentlessly pursuing us to bring us back to life so that we can glorify his name because he is the relentless redeemer let's pray god i thank you so much for this day i thank you for this time in worship thank you for just how amazing you are how much you love us God, you are our relentless redeemer. It's amazing to look back at these stories and see how you had your hand on all of these stories. Everything that was happening was foreshadowing Jesus, who would be born on that Christmas day, our redeemer, our savior, who loves us and pursues us. God, thank you for sending him to take a death that I deserved It was mine. But you love me enough to send your only son to take it for me. What a great God you are. And Hoa, how we praise your name. God, we love you. And forgive us when we fail you. In your name I pray. Amen.